Welcome, 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 and welcome to the Adventure of an Entrepreneur, the podcast that dives deep into the world of entrepreneurship. We're going to be hearing the stories from entrepreneurs from all over the world in different industries. They're going to be sharing with us the stories of how they face setbacks, walk through fire, climbed mountains to reach success. I'm your host, Sri Mahavir. So tonight's guest is the CEO of Digital Vision Media Group, an agency that helps Web3 and technology companies optimize for growth. He is also a fractional chief marketing officer or CMO and has a startup called Press Jockey. His name is Cahill Camden. I'm super excited to have him on. So let me ask you this. Before you got into marketing, how did you get into sales? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on, by the way. Um, You're welcome. So how did I get into sales? I had read a book somewhere that had told me that all successful CEOs know how to sell. And so I thought, okay, I want to learn how to sell. Like that's, that is the thing that you need to do to be able to succeed in business, let's call it. And so that's how I got into, that's how I started my, my sales journey. Well, I want to say hi to Dan and to Florence for joining, but I want to say if you have any questions, definitely let us know. Also drop, where are you tuning in from? And Dan, I don't know, but the connection is good on this side of town. So let me ask you, did you always know that you wanted to be a CEO of a company? I, I always knew that I wanted to be in business. Um, when I was in university, I wasn't, I wasn't exceptionally good at it. And so for me, it was a matter of I started a company in university and that, that did pretty well at the time, um, I thought. And so I wanted to learn some skills and, and do an, build another company. And so that's just kind of how I progressed with things. And I thought, okay, one of the lessons that I learned from starting my first company in university was that, yeah, you need to learn how to sell properly. And so I went down that path. Some of us are not ever thinking about, oh, I want to be the CEO and that I need to get into sales. We get into marketing, but for you, you started off in sales. So let me ask you, when did the transition happen to go into marketing? I think the decision to do sales, right? Sales is, is typically like a one-on-one thing, right? It can be one-to-many when you get into like coaching and consulting on large levels, you know, Tony Robbins, um, you know, Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay, you're, do, you're selling to many, many people at once. Uh, slightly different. But all of those guys know how to sell one-to-one first. And so you've got the one-to-one sales, I think that that's very important is learning that. Then you can go the direction of one to many, or maybe you start there. Um, I wanted to go into marketing because I wanted to be able to apply that sales mentality and that sales mindset to thousands and thousands of people at once. And that is a shift in mindset. It's a shift in in the way in which you proceed forward. And yeah, it really, it really changes. It really changes how you how you do things. And so that's, I, I, I made that shift when I started 
going from sales and media to technology. I want to do technology or tech marketing. And so that's, that's why I made that shift. When you first got your first sales job, was it in tech sales or was it something in something different? And then you moved into a tech company. Yeah. My first sales job was door to door dentistry sales. Um, so I'd go door to door to dentists. Yep. Drive around on my own dime commission only. And you had to sell, you had to sell website packages and CRM packages to dentists. Um, really difficult. I realized very quickly that I was not good at it. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, I, I tried, I tried my best. I, I sold a, a few things. And after that, I had a friend of mine, she said, Hey, you know what? Um, I do know someone at this company who does really intense sales. They do really intense sales. Do you want to interview there? And, and at the time I was like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And I was like, ah, yeah, okay, maybe I will actually, um, need some cash, need to learn how to sell. And so I went and did media sales. So hundred percent phone sales, um, if you've ever seen Wolf of Wall Street, it was that type of intensity. Um, so not not the craziness behind the scenes, but it was that type of intensity of just smile and dial, and you are you're selling you know hundreds of thousands of dollars of ads over the phone without ever meeting somebody on a single phone call, maybe two, and that was it. So I learned how to sell there. Wow, I mean, I didn't. We've got some conversations going on in the comments. They're talking about that I'm frozen and you guys are funny, Dan and Rob. But Florence did do door-to-door visiting dental offices. Now, if you've done door-to-door, I've done door-to-door. I've gone, I was selling electricity to businesses. You really do learn how to talk to people and how to think on your feet and get through situations. I'm not that stubborn, whoever said that. <laughs> you get through situations on the fly. So I would love to know, what are some things that you learned in this experience doing door-to-door that has helped you in your career all the way to becoming a CEO? I think for me, more of the lessons were learned when I had a little bit more formal training and I really dove into sales a lot more on the phone. Right. Um, I would say they're both very similar. Door-to-door, door to door, you obviously have this ability to read somebody, body language, you have personality, um, you know, that, that all makes a difference. On the phone, you have to convey all of those subtle, subtle things via your voice only. So you can't see someone's face, you can't see their body language, you can't make a gesture, you, you know, like you have to do this all over them, all over just, just with voice, not video either. This is not like in the time of zoom. No, no, no. This was like before zoom, just literally phone calls. Um, and so there, I think some of the things that, that you learn that I think are, are, are still very important revolve around just consistency, follow-ups, um, the ability for you to really read into and understand or hear what someone is is saying and and just really identify with that and help them move forward in terms of their sales process or in terms of their understanding about your product or service. I think that's been very valuable. 
I love that because you're trying to understand something at a deeper level and bringing it into different aspects. So this is where I wanted to ask, now that you have this experience, you talked about you have an agency and you work with an agency or a CEO of an agency. So when starting off, what were some of the services that you provided? And at what point in time did you realize we're not doing those anymore? Yeah. So great question. You've, you've looked into it. Um, yeah. So I, I did start doing anything that I could just get my hands on, you know, social media, social media posts, um, you know, conversion rate optimization. It wasn't called that in the time landing pages, uh, website design, brand design, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as, as we progressed, I realized that I, our, our team, well, myself, I was, I was my team, um, had a knack for specific things and yeah, I was okay at the other stuff, but I was really good at some of, some of the, some of the things that I wanted to focus on. And actually one of the things I wanted to focus that I, that I didn't realize I, I was good at was actually writing and copywriting. Um, and so that kind of came up as articles started to go viral on medium as thousands and tens of thousands of people started to see things, I was like, well, wait a second, this is actually a pretty decent article. Um, let's focus in on those things that we're good at. And so that's how I started cutting away the, the excess that, and yeah, we just, we're all right at it, but it wasn't really our forte and we didn't really make a lot of money from it. So it went to the things that we're really good at and there's better margin and it just made sense. So what I'm hearing is in the beginning, you were doing everything. Yeah, we tried. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we, we tried. And, you know, here's the thing, right? Like that, that does give you experience. So, okay, so like fractional CMO work or chief marketing officer work, you have to understand many components of marketing. Right. Well, my understanding of that comes from me actually doing those things personally or hiring people to do it or working with agencies and teams that do it. And, and, and trying all of the above and then saying, hey, I understand how this works so I can speak, I can speak well to it. And I can speak from an educated point of view, make strategic decisions on it, but we're not going to do that work. Um, that's not what, what we focused our agency around. And so I think that that, that is valuable in, in having, you know, like that experience before you decide to focus in on something. That part, the piece where you said you actually did the work. I know there's some things I don't, I'm not that good at. And I know a few people who are at this point, I'm going to do it all. I don't need a team. But one of the things that I hear you saying as a leader, you're stepping back and saying, you know what? I don't know how to do this. Let me hire the right person. And this is where we get into trouble sometimes. We think that we're hiring the right person. So for you, what helped you? figure out what should you delegate because you're good at it, but this is time to let it go and let someone else do it. And then what helped you, what are some criteria that you look for when you hire someone? Two different questions. What, what do I delegate? And then what criteria um, do I look for when I'm hiring someone? So yes. I think the delegation part is something that we're always learning. I'm, I'm not always the greatest at it. Sometimes I will, take the reins myself and say, look, I can, I can do this better. So let me just, let me just get it done, even though maybe I shouldn't. Um, and in some areas that 
that is very important. In other areas, yeah, maybe I'm wasting my time. It's something that I'm still learning, right? Um, I think if we were going to say, here's where you should delegate, it's probably in the areas that take a lot of your time but don't actually contribute that much to the bottom line. And so, for, for example, some easy ones. Maybe lead generation is something that yeah, yeah, if you, you could do it, but you're going to spend four or five hours doing this and you're better, up, you're better off picking up the phone and actually making the calls or you're better off you know, going to the conference and actually handshaking with hundreds of people, like, you know, like that, that type of thing or pushing to get on the stage at a conference. That's much better. That's a much better use of your five, four or five hours. Um, so that's kind of how I look at delegation and anything that's like super critical to a client. Uh, I'm usually involved in it. Yeah, almost always. So that's just how we do things. But then we work with clients and we help, we help grow them pretty far <laughs> till they get acquired. And so, you know, part of that is just because we, we focus very heavily on detail. And then the second part of your question is what do I look for when I'm hiring? This is something that I always look for character and then I can train skill. So I hire for character, train for skill. And for me, hiring for character means someone that will match my type of working style. Mm. My type of working style is different than a lot of other people. I have very high attention to detail. I like very quick responses. I work all the time. Like I'm six in the morning, I get up, I'm messaging my team in in Europe, you know, I'm on calls with people who are in Pacific time at, you know, 7.30, 8.30 at night. Like I'm working all the time. I like that. And so for me, I'm hiring for character in terms of people who have conscientiousness, meaning they want to do a good job. Maybe they don't know how to do a good job, but they want to do a good job. They, they're not just about, oh, I'm just doing eh, whatever. I'll just get it done. It's, it's okay. Kind of works. No, I want someone who wants to do a good job. They're like, teach me how to make this really good. How do I like, okay, I'm listening. How do I do this? Well, I don't know, but I'm willing to, to put in the effort. That's the person I want to hire. Um, and so I've been working with, yeah, people I've never met um, all around the world for four years, five years who are like really good. And that's how we build our team. So that's what I typically look for. And it makes sense because as you are saying, when you were talking, you were saying, I, what's, what's just something that you can give away because you can focus on meeting people or you just don't know how to do. And then when you think about the type of clients that you work with, they're expecting a little that high caliber. So let's go a little bit into the kind of companies that you do work with and why did you choose that industry over another industry? Yeah. So I typically work with companies who've raised a million dollars or more or who have a million dollars in revenue or more per year. Um, so you can say they're accelerating startups, right? And, and why did I choose that? It's because that's where I fit best in terms of helping a company move forward. Um, again, my working style is let's get after it. Let's go. Like, it's not like, I'm not here to, to have like this side hustle is a full-time thing. Let's go, let's move. And so 
that energy doesn't necessarily fit a big, humongous corporation who has many, many layers of bureaucracy. It also doesn't necessarily fit a really tiny startup who is just kind of dabbling and they're not sure if they really want to do this full time. It fits that company who's making revenue and they know they've got an opportunity to really take it further. They just don't know how and they don't have the tactics and the strategy and they need help. That's the company that I work very well with. And so that's why I decided to focus on that type of revenue range and why technology and Web3 or you know, cryptocurrency, blockchain, that type of thing. Um, I like to be on the cutting edge of things. Like, you know, my latest startup is, is in AI. We've been building our startup for a year and a half. And as soon as GPT came out, we integrated it. Like literally as soon as it came out, I actually had early access to GPT like three years ago. Mm. Um, but I didn't, I didn't have the team to, to build anything with it. And so you know, I'm very early involved in it. And, you know, that's the kind of technology that's, that's the kind of, Areas that I like to plan. It's very early technology. Well, since you are already talking about this company, tell us a little bit more about Press Jockey and what does it do for companies and somebody like myself who's building theirs. Can I use it? Yeah, great questions. So, what Press Jockey is is it's an AI-powered PR assistant. There are thousands of requests for experts that journalists and reporters put out every single week, thousands of them. You've got to, we've got to remember that, you know, journalists and reporters are people, they're doing stories. They're tasked with, with stories to write articles, to create blog posts, to write every single day. That's their job. And a lot of the times they're writing about things that they may only have a surface level of understanding about. And so you as the expert, you might be an expert in marketing. You might be an expert in healthcare. You might be an expert in hair care. You might be an expert in blockchain or, you know, hot sauce. It doesn't matter what the topic is. There are people looking for your expertise and they do this on a number of platforms. And so what Press Jockey does is Press Jockey is an email management tool that automatically sorts all of these thousands of requests that you get from multiple platforms, it filters them, matches them based on your profile, and then helps you automatically create responses with AI that are based on your profile. So it will automatically write it for you. You go in, you edit it, you click send. So it is a, <laughs> it is, it is a fantastic tool that any startup can use um, to really accelerate their brand awareness, build more press, get more backlinks, get guest blogging opportunities, that type of thing. So I have a love and passion for hot sauce. I ask that for everywhere I go. And I don't think he knew that, that, that Dan. So you're the only one who I did, knows. I did not know that. But I also, <laughs> I also enjoy hot sauce as well. So, Oh, yes. So how did this idea of coming up with press jockey come about because this seems like you have experience of seeing a bunch of emails from different PRs or other press asking for this type of information. How did this come to life? So this is what we do for our clients is we help them get press exposure. We've placed people on the next web on 
BNN, on national newspapers, uh, you know, TV, like all sorts of places. And we use, we use these platforms. And so these platforms are fantastic. Some of them you have to pay for. Like that's, that's just the way those platforms work. And so we were filtering manually through thousands of requests every week. And it got to a point where at our busiest point, we just had a couple of people just dedicated to this. And I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this, more ele- elegant, you know, efficient way to run our press for clients. And so we started building this solution. So now that we're, we're, we're hearing about Press Jockey, is this something that, you know, some of the viewers who are watching or is it only for larger corporations? No, it's, for, it's, it's designed to, to level the playing field and, and be able to give small businesses and growing businesses the ability to get more press for their business. You can get, you, you can get press exposure. You can build brand awareness. Um, you can be f- featured or uh, get quotes in the top publications. You just have to know how to do it and you have to have the right tools. And so that's where press jockey comes in. Ooh, definitely. We will make sure that we can get access for you guys. Cause this sounds really good because think about it. We are about to be in fourth quarter in a sneeze and then we're going to be planning for 2024. And so what are some things that you're starting to see trending for fourth quarter and what are some things you're seeing trending for 2024? So I think one of the things that I'm seeing with fourth quarter is obviously gift guides and, you know, press around uh, giving is a huge, huge thing. People are already starting that now because it takes time to prepare for the holiday season so if you're in a consumer, you know, packaged goods, if you're in e-commerce, those types of things are, are very good. There's always a trend uh, for business insight and business intelligent, intelligence, female founders, um, you know, minority founders, business executives. That, that's always super important. And we're seeing a lot of things around recession, around, you know, where the market's going to be heading, how businesses are going to be able to s- to, to support themselves and, and thrive in this in environment. Those are, those are some, some main topics. I think heading into 2024, we're going to see more of, of that. How do businesses really progress forward in a tougher market? And how do they really streamline their success or streamline their operations so that they can have more success? I think that's what we're going to be seeing more of. And that's, those are some of the topics that you know, we're seeing in the market. Now, if you have questions and you're catching the replay or you're a little bit shy right now to ask, definitely ask them because, you know, we don't want you to sit here thinking that you don't have an option. There are so many ways that you can get yourself out there. If you wanted to, for let's say the fourth quarter, get into some PR publication or something out there, what is a tip that you could give right now that we could use and start getting ourselves out there? So I'll give a couple, and these are things that I consult clients with. So I'll, I'll share them here because it's just us. <laughs> um, so w- one of the things I think is you really have to have an understanding of what is your story and what is your brand about? 
Like, what, what do you want to talk about? It's one thing to say, okay, you know, I want to be in the, in the press, but what do you want to talk about? And then once you have that, and that might take you some time to figure out, it might take you a few days, it might take you a week or two, you know, you, you got to figure that out and have a very clear, we call them story arc about that. So, hey, I want to talk about the future of AI and how it's going to impact small businesses in terms of content generation. That's what I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about AI and cars. I don't want to talk about AI and the stock market. I want to talk about AI and content. So that's what I'm going to look for. So I'd start there. So that's step one. Step two is I would really recommend getting on some of these platforms. Some of the platforms have free accounts. Others have accounts that range from 50 to $250 a month. But you can, you can start to see the press opportunities and the expert requests on all of these platforms. And then, you know, lastly, you can streamline that if you want with Press Jockey. If you don't want, that's fine. You can, you can operate on these platforms and manually do it. It will take you time, lots of time, but you can do it. <laughs> um, and so those are, those are the kind of three tips that I would, I would give right away. And when, you know, I would say as well as a bonus, if you're going to be on these platforms responding and pitching yourself, do try and answer the questions that the journalist or the reporter is is asking about. That will help you get an, uh, get get a better opportunity. I love that you share that because Dan was saying this would be beneficial for me as a professional speaker, but that component doesn't seem to be part of his business. And I responded with, "It doesn't matter." It- it's not part of your business, Cahill, but it might be something that somebody else is looking for. So we don't want to pigeon ourselves. There are people looking for our expertise. They're out there. Right. So to, to address Dan's question, right, we've got to think about your professional speaking brand as a whole. And so, yes, you want to get more speaking gigs. You want to be paid more for your 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 talks how you do that is going to depend on the social proof and the authority that you build in the market how you build authority and social proof in the market depends on your other talks and the press you get so if you are featured in forbes the new york times wall street journal bnn you know usa today etc that looks a lot better than if you're not featured in any of those places Right, like you take your your speaker sheet and put it side by side with the exact same information with those five logos that I mentioned, those five brands, and the one with the brands will get more speaking opportunities, 100%. So how you build your speaker profile as a brand depends on what you talk about. And this is where press comes in. Do you need to do it for years and years and years? No, probably not. But it can help you increase your conversions, get more get higher paid speaking gigs, capture attention of people when you send LinkedIn messages, emails, et cetera. Like it, this all helps. Hey, I was just featured in the USA Today. Hey, I was just on BNN. Wanted to reach out because X, Y, and Z. That captures a lot of attention. I hope you guys are taking notes because this was, these were gems right here because there's so much out there there's like a lot of noise there's so many options in the same industry but what makes you unique how can you stand out and these little things do make a difference so i want to ask you how can we connect with you 
Yeah, so the best way to connect with me is probably on Twitter. Um, so this is this is at Cahill Camden um, is the best way to connect with me. And if you want to check out Press Jockey again, we've got a free 14-day trial. Um, this is this is where you would do it. You know, again, Press Jockey works with the other platforms or using the the other platforms emails that they send to you. So you need to have accounts on those platforms because Press Jockey is an email management tool at its core, right? Um, so if you have accounts on those other platforms, you're getting the emails, great. Press Jockey can help you streamline that business. We're actually also releasing a Chrome extension. Um, so this is something that you, you, you will probably like as well, but this is how I would uh, get in contact and get started. So the website is pressjockey.com. Yep. So until next week, which is with me and maybe a special workshop, you will find out more about it. I just want to say thank you, Cahill, for taking time out of your day to speak with us and ask or answer some of our worries and questions. Um, Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you found it very helpful, share it with a friend, share it in your social media. Until the next time. Oh,